Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. And today is Tuesday, which means, per usual, I am joined by Rick Broering, the publisher of MusketeerReport.com and the NKU radio analyst. And that's where we're going to start. Rick, thanks for joining me, as always, on Tuesday. We start with NKU, where the Norse now, they have senior day on Super Bowl Sunday, don't have another home game the rest of the season. That's wild to say the way the schedule is set up this year. But how did this weekend go? It was a tough loss on Friday night, 18-point loss against Wright State, but you rebound with a, a nice win over IUPUI. I know the Jaguars aren't the best team in the horizon, but still a nice way to get a win on senior day. So what's the state of the union right now on NKU and where they sit going on into these final two weeks of the regular season? Well, I think had they not won by nearly 40 points on Sunday against IUPUI, people would have felt a lot differently coming out of this weekend because back-to-back games now, you had the Youngstown State game where they were beaten handily, and then you had the same thing happen against Wright State up in Dayton on Friday. So it was not looking good for NKU, and I think a lot of people entered that IUPUI game nervous about, is this team like shaken in terms of confidence right now? Have they just lost it all or are they going to be able to bounce back? And they had a huge stretch there towards the end of the first half and to begin the second half where they really just poured it on IUPUI and played as well as they have all season. Now, no one's going to give them any credit for beating IUPUI, including their head coach, Darren Horn, after the game was saying, you know, today's nice. We played better, but uh, we've got to start showing some maturity and consistency and and playing better against the better teams in our conference and on the road. And so we'll see how they go forward. I mean, they have four games left. All of them are on the road. They have a two game lead on the teams behind them in the conference standings. And that's important because the top four teams in the standings get a first round buy and get to host a second round game in the horizon league tournament. So right now you have Youngstown state and Milwaukee tied for first at 12 and four. And then you have Cleveland state and NKU tied for third at 11 and five and behind them, Wright state and Oakland are both at nine and seven with a two game gap there. So if NKU can hold serve and, you know, go at least two and two, but preferably more like three and one down the stretch, you'd feel pretty good about their chances to stay in that top four spot. We can talk a lot more about this as we get closer to the end of the regular season. We look toward the conference tournament, but how do you feel right now about the way that this conference is setting up for NKU where it it feels like maybe there's not one dominant team. We talked about this on the skinny podcast. There's not that one overarching dominant team that's going to run away with the horizon league conference tournament title. But at the same time, you feel like there's a group of teams that it's going to be a tough tournament every round. Where, where do you sit on the Horizon League right now? It could be, end up being a really crazy tournament because Green Bay and IUPUI are both bad teams. I mean, Green Bay is 2-14 and 14 in conference play. IUPUI is 1-15. and 15. They're not any good. But aside from them, it's an 11-team league, and the other nine teams – there's not a ton of separation. I mean, right after those two, you jump to Robert Morris, Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Detroit Mercy, all at seven and nine, just under 500. And with Robert Morris, you have one of the most unique challenges from a defensive perspective because you have to match up with six eight Khalil Spear, who's an isolation scorer who can do a lot of different things, shoot from mid range 
play around the rim, rebound, dunk, all of that type of stuff. So they present a challenge. Purdue Fort Wayne was the team that was picked along with NKU to finish first in the conference in preseason polls this year. So obviously a lot of people expected more out of them than what they've delivered this year, but you would still expect, expect a team like that with one of the best scorers in the conference and Jared Godfrey to be a dangerous team come postseason time. And then with Detroit Mercy, the other team at seven and nine, they could very well have the NCAA's all-time leading scorer by the time we get to the postseason in Antoine Davis. He's still just a couple of hundred points away from passing up Pistol Pete Maravich for the NCAA's all-time lead. And uh, all three of those teams could very well present challenges when we get into the tournament play. All right, let's talk about Xavier now. The Musketeers suffered a brutal loss over the weekend to Butler on Friday night. And now Xavier sits at 26th in Kempom, still at just 19 and 6 on the season. The Musketeers have not won 20 games on a season since back or in a season rather since back in 2017, 2018, the year that the Musketeers were a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. As of Monday morning, the Musketeers were 26th in the net and in the AP poll released on Monday afternoon, they dropped three spots to number 16. How concerning is this loss to Butler for you, Rick? Um, people by now know what happened, how it all went down at the end of the game. I'm not going to get into the goaltending. I'm not going to get into all of that because if you're listening to this, you probably already know about what happened at the end of the game. But in a bigger picture, where does this Butler loss put Xavier? Well, I think it's going to make it challenging for them to win the conference in the regular season. Now they are, they're definitely behind the eight ball in that regard. It was going to be tough, even still had they won that game, but losing that game definitely puts them in in a more difficult spot to pass up Marquette and, um, even some of the other teams up there at the top. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the regular season plays out, but even bigger picture than that, I think, it is a little bit concerning just because you've now seen two games like this, the one at DePaul and now the game at Butler, where Xavier just didn't look like the team we've seen for most of the year in terms of their offense, especially, but overall just their energy and confidence and all of that type of stuff. So they've shown now twice that they can throw up a stinker. And, and the question is, um, without Zach Fremantle, is that becoming more of an issue? Are they more susceptible to playing those types of games? Or are those just two outliers uh, during a long season? I mean, uh, Brian Snow, who used to run the Xavier Musketeer Report site be before I did and uh, was a national scout at 24-7 before he went to uh, uh, join Penn State's coaching staff, um, he always used to say teams will play three games that are much better than they typically are and three games that are much worse than they typically are over the course of a season. And what you are the rest of the games is more of what the average, you know, what, what your team actually is. So uh, I, I don't know how scientific that is, if it's exactly three games, but um, if you buy into that theory, maybe that's all the DePaul and Butler Butler losses are for Xavier. Now you have Marquette this week where this is a game that really could set the tide for the Big East race if you're looking outside of Creighton. Right now, the projections, just playing it out for playing the game, we all love to play, and you plug all the numbers in and try to project the standings. Xavier is pretty locked into the Thursday night at Madison Square Garden, whether it's the two or the three seed. It would be pretty hard for Xavier to win the conference at this point, and it would be pretty hard for them to end up as the four seed unless things went, obviously, catastrophically wrong 
But the two and three seed, it seems like it's going to be Xavier and Marquette. So how much can you read into this game on Wednesday and how big of a game is this for Xavier? Well, I, I think it's definitely a big game, especially coming off the Butler loss and not having Zach Fremont. You just want to see them get back to form, look like the team that they've been for uh, most of Big East play. And as long as they do that, I think even if it's a close loss, you'll feel okay if you're a Xavier fan because what you really have down the stretch is three away games and three home games. The home games all feel very winnable. It's DePaul, it's Villanova, and it's Butler. It feels very doable for Xavier to finish three and three down the stretch. That would put them at 14 and seven. And like you said, that would likely have them as probably the three seed uh, in the conference tournament. So there's not a whole lot of difference there if they end up uh, with that, the three and three record or the four and two record more than likely. So I, I think the Marquette win would be great, but more than anything, you really just want to see them play well. One last quick question. Sule Boom looked like he may have hurt himself on Friday night, came back in, played the rest of the game, did not practice on Monday. Any update for Wednesday? I don't think there's much of an update aside from Sean Miller said during his coaches show that they are going to rest him, set him out of practice, and hope that he is available for Wednesday night's game. I would expect that he will play. The big question is, how close to 100% will he be? If, if you're only getting, you know, 50 to 70% of Sule Boom's ankle, then it's going to be tough for him to be very effective at all in a game like at Marquette. So ho hopefully for Xavier, he is much closer to 100% than uh, he was probably in the days af right after that injury Friday night. Talked a lot about Cincinnati yesterday, so I'm not going to get into it too much here. I want to talk about Kentucky. Cincinnati, a loss last week against Tulane, uh, a win over the weekend against USF. We know what we're getting out of Cincinnati now. The Bearcats have to win the conference tournament if they want to play in March. Another team that's trending, then the last team we're going to talk about, Kentucky. They are probably on the outside looking in right now. You can slice it. You can go to bracket matrix and you can say that as of Monday, they were the second to last team or actually now that I look at it here, they are the last, literally the last team in the field. They are right there on the cusp of the bubble. And I have a feeling if they don't pick up another significant win, they're going to be on the outside looking in Rick. This is a catastrophe of a season for Kentucky. Not only but looking at the preseason expectations, they were the number one ranked team on Ken Palm. They had national title aspirations. Now we're talking about a team that is struggling to maybe even get into the tournament. What went wrong? Everything. How about everything? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, injuries haven't helped. They've been littered with injuries throughout the year. Nothing too extreme. I mean, they didn't lose like Oscar Shibway for an extended period. But some of the guys that were expected to be the glue and make this team go a little bit more. And I'm thinking of guys like CJ Frederick um, most specifically right now has just been in and out of the lineup consistently throughout the season. So um, they haven't really been able to count on him at any lengthy period. And um, it, it's, it's a lot more than that though. You know, the, this Calipari offense has had its issues throughout the, the last few seasons and probably longer than that, but it, it obviously can be masked by really good players. And this year they just haven't had the guys that have been able to figure out how to make that happen. And when you look at the roster that they have out there now, you have a lot of guys playing extended minutes that came from 
lower levels or were at least recruited to other schools first and maybe not at the same level as uh, Kentucky typically recruits at. So it's not entirely surprising that these guys aren't able to overcome a bad scheme. And I think a lot of UK fans are getting restless with Calipari. Uh, I think if his buyout was a different situation right now, there's a very good chance they may be looking to move on sooner than later. But fans also have to remember, he is the number one recruiting class in the entire country coming in next year. So I don't know that they would be ready to move on from him just yet, regardless of how this year finishes out. Rick, anything else college basketball-wise you want to get off your chest before we go next Monday? Anything that's just sitting in the back of your brain that you got to get off your chest? I don't think so, Paul. I mean, this past Saturday was as March E as it gets. We're not yes. quite there yet, but it felt a lot like it. Just fantastic viewing. So everybody enjoy the next couple of weeks as we lead up to the postseason. I am addicted to the uh, to to all of the the brackets that come out and you start playing the projections. Well, it'd be fun in this region. It'd be fun in that region. I love it. It's the best time of the year. Rick, thanks so much for uh, joining me. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Paul. Looking around the area, only Miami, the Red Hawks, the only local team playing tonight, going to Akron for a game against the Zips at seven. Around the country last night, Texas Tech picked up a nice win over Texas in Lubbock. Miami beat UNC, and we talked about Kentucky. The Tar Heels are still without a quad one win on the season. They also are going to struggle to make the NCAA tournament, if at all, and Baylor beat West Virginia last night as well. That was down in Waco. Tonight, there's a huge one in the Big East. Number 20, Providence, hosting number 23, Creighton. One of the biggest games in the Big East left in the regular season. Kansas is at Oklahoma State. Illinois goes to Happy Valley, visits Penn State. Kansas State is at Oklahoma. And Auburn hosts Missouri. Paul's pick of the day, presented by Betfred Sportsbook, was a winner last night. Keep the points, Vegas, Miami, one outright at UNC. That was an easy one for Miami. UNC, they they showed some fight at a couple of points during the game, but Miami kind of held them at arm's length. Tonight, the pick, I think this Creighton and Providence game is going to be played in the 70s. Right now, the total's at 141, so I'll take the over on that. If it gets a ton higher, don't know how much I love it, but at 141, if this game goes 73-72, that checks out for me. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.